0: What am I here for? I wonder how often we ask ourselves the question. We probably more frequently ask the question, "What am I doing next week?" Which in itself is a bit of a luxury, isn't it? There's lots of places in the world where people aren't looking that far ahead. They're looking, what am, I, what am I here? What, what can I do today to feed my family and to put a roof over the head?" But I think most people out there probably never ask that question, "What am I here for?" Because for them, there is no particular purpose while they're there. And so most people go through life and invest their life with meaning. It might be their children. It might be they invest themselves. They really think community service is really what it's all about. Or they're there to uh, amass wealth so they can leave something for their children, maybe to make a name for themselves. For, For us here, I'm going to talk today to Christians, to people who have at some point had Jesus enter their life and at some point have given Themselves over to Jesus, because for us we should be asking that question regularly. For those who aren't Christians here today, uh, I'm going to be saying some things you might you might not know exactly what I'm talking about. Please come and see me afterwards, or come and see the person who invited you here today. But today I'm specifically talking to Christians. Two reasons why we should be asking that question, and uh, both of them contained in the book of Peter. If you've got your Bible, I'd like you to open it to First Peter chapter one. from verse 3 Peter says praise to be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is to be revealed in the last time. Peter tells us that our future is absolutely assured. He tells us that it is unfading, that it will never be taken away. Unlike any other earthly inheritance that you can think about that may go, that may disappear, that may be contested by a will, this inheritance is absolutely sure. We know exactly what our future looks like and so that is put in place totally put in place by God we don't have to join extinction rebellion because there is no extinction because God has promised and guaranteed our future because of something that happened in the past to you who are Christians he says we were given a new birth do you remember that there was a time in your life when you were the what the bible calls born again God, through His Holy Spirit, operated in such a way as to make you the offer of a relationship with Him. And you accepted that offer and the Holy Spirit entered your life. And from then on, everything was new. Whatever was of the past was gone. The Bible talks a lot about walking in a newness of life, a new birth, a new creation, a new covenant. We were completely new at that moment. And then when we think about that moment, all the, the guilt of whatever, whatever guilt we felt was gone because it was carried by the blood of Jesus Christ, the very thing we've celebrated here. Our previous life was absolutely gone. Wherever we'd come from, whatever our situation, it was completely gone. So we don't have to worry about the past anymore. The past is gone. We don't have to worry about the future anymore because the future is assured. That surely makes a difference that surely makes a difference. We no longer have to do what people outside these walls do, which is go down every alley and every street to find fulfillment. We don't have to go and try uh, to get as much money as we can or to try a new relationship or to try this or to try that to find fulfillment because we know that fulfillment is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this period between the new creation, when we became Christians and the recreation when we finally get to be with Christ is a very valuable time. Paul says in um, 2 Corinthians 5 he said that Jesus died so that those who live might live no longer for themselves but for him who died and was raised up. Think about those words. This is the purpose of this period between the new birth and that recreation. However many years we have, it could end next week, it could end in a year's time, it could end in five years' time. However long between a new creation and the time when we receive that heavenly inheritance, what did did Paul say it's for? He died, Jesus died so that those who live, that's us, might live no longer for themselves but for him who who, who, uh, died and was raised up. So our life now is, uh, when we ask that question, what am I here for? We have an answer for it. We're here to do the Lord's will. We're here to, and, and, and what is that will? How do we know what that will is? Yes, we accept that. I have enjoyed the new birth. I now realize that I can live my life for Christ. What does that mean? Well, Peter says that it starts out with ourselves. So I'm only going to make two points today and the first is that Peter says that our first cause is to straighten out. We have to straighten ourselves out. Paul says we can't live the same way that we did. Notice in verse uh, 18 there uh, how he said, what, what he talks about in terms of this rescue that we received. He said, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers but with the precious blood of christ a lamb without blemish or defect think about that phrase you were redeemed from an empty way of life you were brought out of that empty way of life we don't go back and relive it we don't come and know christ and say great my past is gone my future is assured now let me get back to that empty way of life that's not the idea the idea is he has redeemed us and released us from that we no longer have to walk down that road and he says in verse 13 uh, he says therefore in view of what we know in view of what we know about this great redemption that's happened in our lives in view of the fact that our past is already sorted out and our future is assured he says therefore prepare your minds for action be self-controlled set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. There's quite uh, an interesting little phrase that prepare your minds for action. The original Greek says, gird up the loins of your mind. And if you're familiar with the way that people are dressed in the first century, they dressed in what we would call a dress or a robe. And so if you, went, if you tried to go running in one of those, pretty difficult, you'd end up getting tangled and falling over. So when somebody girded up their loins, when they were about to do some work or you know, go for a run, They would drag the material between their legs they'd tuck it in their belt made it kind of like shorts and then they're able to zip off in whatever direction Paul says we need to do the same about our mind we need to get ready we need to accept what it is that this good news of Jesus Christ means for us personally we need to straighten out he says because he said the desires that we have have to change he said in verse 14 as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who's called you is holy, so be holy in all, you are, in all you do. For it is written, be holy as I am holy. So one of the reasons that Christ died is for us to be changed. The Holy Spirit enters into our lives and uh, he will sanctify us with our cooperation. He will sanctify us into a closer approximation of that of Jesus Christ. And so Paul say, uh, Peter says, get, get rid of those desires. I think it's very revealing in Scripture that the Bible doesn't go, it's not five times as long, it doesn't give us a program or a practical plan how we go about this. It just says, get rid of those desires. So there is sufficient power, and I'm going to be talking a little bit about how we do that, but there's sufficient power residing in you in the Holy Spirit. I think one of the clues is um, that one where Peter says, set your minds fully on the, the hope that's in you. Set your mind fully. is, is some of our problem, the fact that we, don't, we set our minds partially on that hope. So that hope is there and we know it's going to be there in the future, but there's a whole lot of things that we want to get along and do in our own life and in our own strength. And we get our own uh, battles to fight and our own castles to build. But Peter says, don't do that. Set your hope fully on what is to be accomplished in the future. Um, The fact that the the price is paid and our future is assured, it's a bit like someone, I was thinking, someone working in a dead end job and they just make sufficient money to pay rent on their house, they put food in their kids' mouths, but really their life is not under their control. And they get to the age of 40 and it's just gonna look like that for another 20 years. And then they win the lottery. And they've got enough money there they never have to work again they never have to think about it again the first thing that would come to you was i've got options i've now got options well it's like that for the christian we now have options our past and our future are sorted out and to go back to those earthly desires to go back to those things that empty way of life that other people are pursuing would be a repudiation of everything we know about our future I heard a study last week it was talking about I uh, can't remember the context but it was quite fascinating they were talking about monkeys so they got a monkey in a little lab and they provided him with a lever and every time he had the ability to pull down the lever he would get a slice of cucumber and the monkey was loving it first time a bit tentative after that he was whacking that lever every time he could great piece of cucumber after a day of doing that so he's fully entrenched in that. just Loving it. Uh, they had another monkey in with a s- same lever. That monkey goes up, pushes the lever. He gets given a grape. Fine. First monkey, the one with uh, the cucumber, comes back, pushes down the lever, expects to get something good, gets the piece of cucumber. Uh, looks at it, throws it on the floor. Now, why is that? He's had a a day where he's loved that piece of cucumber. But now he knows there's something better. We're smarter than monkeys. We're smarter than monkeys. We know what is better. We know where our fulfillment is. We know what the promises of God are. So Peter urges us, don't go back to those old ways. Don't go back to those earthly desires. He talks about lots of things, not just the ones we might think about uh, and often talk about, Um, sexual desires but in chapter 2 he says rid yourself of malice and all deceit hypocrisy envy slander of every kind if you went to Galatians chapter 5 there's a whole list of all these things that are are purely human things and and human things that are based on human desire but not based on the holiness of God Peter says uh, this time that we have between the new birth and the recreation is time for us to straighten ourselves out to get right with God, to be serious about uh, what it is to be following Jesus Christ. The uh, writer William Inger said this, that he said it is quite natural and inevitable that if we spend an average of 16 hours a day in thinking about the affairs of this world and five minutes thinking about God, this world will seem 200 times more real to us than God. Would you agree? He said it's natural, inevitable, that if we spend an average of 16 hours a day thinking about the affairs of this world and five minutes thinking about God, the world will seem 200 times more real to us than God. They're things we need to set our hope fully, fully on the hope, not partially, fully on the hope before us. Church itself, uh, you might be surprised to find, is not the answer. I often think about church that it's... Uh, It's an amazing change. The original Christians who went to church did so at risk of their life, at risk of their possessions. And so a gathering would have got together of people who were risking everything for Jesus Christ. And What a a wonderful thing that must have been. Those faithful people just imploring God to keep them. And then somehow later in church history, it got to be that church became a thing in itself. So the people will go to church and they go, Oh, there's something about being in that building that does something for me. There's something purifying about hearing that uh, liturgy or whatever it might be. But church will not do that for us. A couple of weeks ago, I read uh, a book. It was a a few years old, but it was talking about a survey that was done in a mega church. And in this um, large church, they did a survey, and what came back was quite encouraging. 91% of people at the weekend service said their highest value is a deep relationship with God. 91%. That's pretty impressive. The other figure's not quite so good. During the previous six months, 33% said that they'd lied. 18% had stolen. 12.5% had committed adultery. 27% of men had viewed pornography. Among the singles, 25% of singles... 38% 38% of single parents and 41% of divorced people had admitted illicit sexual relationships in the last six months. Church will not do it on itself. There's a, a gap there, isn't there, between what we uh, what ostensibly um, is the most important thing in life, a relationship with Jesus, and conduct. And po- uh, Peter says that's got to change. There's no point in chasing those things, uh, Because they're they're not the things that Christ died for. They're not the things that will even bring ultimate pleasure and happiness. Uh, The only thing that will happen is uh, understanding who God is. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus will return. Sean said that to us earlier. The fulfillment of our dreams is in the future, it's not in the present. So don't settle for the cucumber. Don't go for the cucumber, hold out for the grape. Second thing I would say, uh, apart from we need to concentrate on straighting ourselves out, is to widen out. Peter says this, not me. 1 and verse 22. He says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. So I think John says the same thing. He says, we know that we've passed from death to life if we love the brothers. You see, we have been adopted into a family. That's huge. God has adopted us into his family. We now have brothers and sisters. Look around. These guys are your brothers and sisters. And it's not clear from this version that the word for love, there's two different words for love there. The first one is that word Philadelphia, love for the brothers. And Peter seems to indicate that's almost... That's almost automatic that when you know who Jesus is and when the Holy Spirit fills your heart you start to feel an attraction for other people for brotherly affection but then he says uh, after that love one another deeply from the heart that's that word agape I don't think there's one word that is wasted in scripture do you do you think when Peter says love one another deeply he didn't really need to say deeply he could just say love one another That's a very important word, a deep love. Other versions say earnest love. It's an emotion. It's the same thing that, in fact, it's the same word. You remember the story of Jonah and the people of Nineveh? And you remember how the people of Nineveh repented? You remember that they were praying? It says that they were praying earnestly. They knew that God was going to destroy their city. And so they prayed earnestly. It's the same verse that's used in the New Testament when Peter was in prison. And those disciples who knew and loved Peter were praying for him, it says, the Bible says, earnestly. That's not casually, is it? That's earnest, that's fervent, that's, you can imagine the emotion. Well, that's the same word that Peter's using here, our love for one another. What is your, your love for one another? Here, what is your love for your brothers and sisters how how would we show that Peter gives a little more detail if you flick over to uh, chapter four he says a little bit about what he looks like what it looks like in verse eight he says above all so again no 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 matter of small importance above all love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins offer hospitality to one another without grumbling Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Is that what our lives look like and my life looked like last week? How do we show that intense love our brothers and sisters a bit difficult to just do it on a Sunday morning isn't it it requires a lot more of that what would it look like what would it look like in our church if we really loved each other so deeply that that our largest concern was to to serve each other in whatever way we could it means that when we're looking at each other we would be praying for each other and what happens is when we pray for each other, you look at someone and, he's, and, and I'm focusing on someone now. You're looking and you're praying for them and you go, but what can I pray for for that person? How, how well do I know what's going on in his life? What, what actually does it need? And prayer often leads us into a situation where we want to know more, to care about that person. And it would mean that we would be involved with each other to a greater degree. What would it, it would mean that when we look at you know, rosters for stuff to do at church, we'd have waiting lists. We wouldn't have to look for people. We, we'd have, yeah, you can go on the waiting list. It might take, it might take a while until somebody gets disabled, then you can possibly get on the kitchen roster. That's what it would look like. It would look like that we would look at people in the church and we'd think, how can I move them one step closer in their relationship with God from the one they have? Is there a way that I can do that? We would be praying to God, and we'd be asking for his help to do that. We'd be saying could we could we maybe have a home group in our area? Cuz I reckon Mary really needs you know some company. She's on her own. Could we maybe do that? And I think there was maybe two or three that I could serve in that way. It would be a totally different mindset, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be can I get can I be stuff going out Monday night. It would be how can I Serve someone else in this church. And even when we come to church in the morning, it wouldn't be, oh, what's the service looking like today? Oh, that speaker's not that that good. Uh, You know, that song, I wouldn't have chosen that song. It it would be prayerfully, what can I do in that ministry time that I have to serve somebody else? It's great that they have that song because I know that's Elizabeth's favourite song. So that's great. I'm glad that that person is being... you know help through the service what can I do after the service or before the service how can I pray let me pray now before the service that that God will lead me to someone that I can actually uh, help them that's what it would look like when we see a visitor here it would be not someone we go well who was that person two weeks ago I think there was someone there but we'd be thinking how can I move them closer to God because we could widen out not only from our family fellowship but further Peter says something quite interesting, I thought, in 1 Peter 4 and verse 17. Time of trial to these people and um, Peter says, it's a time for judgment to begin with the family of God. He says, if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And I was thinking about that. Word. What would be? What's, what's the result for those who do not obey, who obey the gospel of God? Uh, the answer is there immediately. Uh, you would think the same as I. You turn over to Thessalonians chapter two. I think the same phrase is used. Second Thessalonians chapter one and verse seven. It says, "When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus." They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and the majesty of his power. That's what will happen. So I wonder where would that sit on the priority list of Christ, do you think? Remember he died so that those who live might live no longer for themselves but for him who died and was raised up. Where would they fit on that priority list of Christ? People who do not know him whether they walk into this door or whether we meet them outside. So I ask again, how did you and I, when we look back on our last week, how much of that was a priority for us? Where did, we, where did that fit in our schedule? If what Peter says is correct and what we believe is true, shouldn't those things, those priorities of Christ, be the first things that are carved Into our life, and and we actually move things out of the way to make room for those rather than the other way around. That's the challenge that Peter leaves us uh, us with. Our time on this earth is limited. I'm not sure if that's a surprise to you, but it is. Our time on earth is limited. Jesus gave a parable once. He talked about a man going away on a long journey, which was obviously. um, a metaphor for his going away. So the man went on a long journey and he had three people and he gave them little bits of money. He gave one five coins, one uh, two coins, and one one coin. And he said he's going to be gone for a long time and then he's going to come back. And then he's come back and he has a settling with his slaves. And he basically the question is, what did you do with what I gave you? That day will come. That day will come when we'll stand before Jesus Christ. And we will explain to him what, what we did with the time that we had on this place. And I would hate for any of us to be in a position like I was of first year high school. We had a woodwork, end of year woodwork kind of exam. And uh, so, so there was a line of people taking their things to get marked. Uh, people came with magnificent coffee tables. They were, they were up the front of the line. Beautiful, beautiful carved coffee tables. Lamp stands, uh, somebody made an amazing box. It was just mitered edges, all that kind of thing. I had a coat hanger, which um, in my attempts to get one side even, because the other side wasn't, I kept doing that. It, it hardly resembled a coat hanger by the time it was finished. It was probably the worst abomination I've ever seen. Don't worry, I wasn't at the front of the line to get that thing marked. I would hate to us to be in that position when it comes to when Christ says, We bring these things to him and he goes, what what does this mean to me? What does this certificate mean to me? What does this this life of yours mean to me? We want to take these things, a life changed by God, a love that we've shown for uh, our Christian community and a love that we've shown for those outside. What's the answer? Uh, Peter doesn't leave us... uh, without an answer and Jordan gave us a good answer last week too I thought in terms of prayer. One of the things that that church that mega church that did the survey and worked out that people weren't growing in their faith they did another survey where they worked out who were those that were actually growing in their faith becoming stronger and stronger Christians giving more uh, evidence that Christ was working in their life they, uh, no surprise like mega data went into that and it came out they were people who prayed and they were people uh, who did what Peter says in here. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. He says, Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that in it you may grow up into your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Newborn babies craving milk. Anyone identify with that? Meg, do you identify with that? Rocio would identify with that. Babies, generally anyway, babies love crave again this isn't a word babies can give or take milk it's good for them they crave it they love it Paul says we need to do, Peter says we need to do the same about God's word it is no coincidence that 2,000 years of people saying this huge survey mega data comes back with the same thing people in prayer who are communicating with God people who are in God's word it will actually change you this is the way you straighten yourself out. This is the way you form a love for your family. This is the way you form a love for people outside. Because God's word is powerful and it will realign you even though you don't know it's happening. And your mind, as you stray in all sorts of directions, as you reach for that bit of cucumber again, the Bible, the Bible puts you back on that, say, well, I've got a grape there, what am I doing with the cucumber? The Bible will take you back there every time again. And I must say, it is scripture. It's not Christian fiction. Christian fiction won't do it for you. Jesus calling won't do it for you. Christian chicken soup for the soul won't do it for you. Watching two episodes of The Chosen won't do it for you. God's word it is that is powerful. God's word that has the power. Many here would attest to the fact that they were either going one direction, the Bible took them another way, or they were changed in terms of how they needed to conduct themselves. Or they found a love for others through scripture. So I'd encourage you this week, uh, my encouragement to you would be to read through First Peter. With a view to being changed by God. And before asking yourself what I'm doing next week, ask yourself, what am I here for?